I am so glad we have a Savior who constantly reigns, no matter what, no matter what we see around us, no matter what, who takes a mantle of leadership locally, statewide, regionally, nationally, around the world. We have a Savior, a King, a Lord who reigns, and He desires to reign in you and in me every moment, every day, in all aspects. I want to tell you about that Savior today as we start this new series. Uh, In ancient Israel, throughout the history, there were three main areas of importance, of uh, significance, of leadership, and of responsibility. That was prophet, priest, and king. A prophet, a priest, and a king. Those were the most important areas of leadership in Israel's history. Some were good, some were bad, some were in the middle. But no matter how good the person occupying that office might have been, no one was able to occupy all three at once. No one could do that. Nobody ever did do that until Jesus. Until Jesus. And as Messiah, under the mantle of Messiah, Jesus occupies all three of those offices at once. And in Jesus... The office of prophet, priest, and king come together in this wonderful harmony and in total perfection. And all of the prophets and and all of the priests and all the kings, all they did really came amounted to to a shadow, really, looking ahead to the divine prophet, the divine priest, and the divine king. And they needed him like we all need him. And they needed him because, like them, we all need him to be everything that we need that we can't find in ourselves and that we can't find in anyone else. Because all of us, even the best of us, all of us in our natural state, we are spiritually unwise, spiritually ignorant. The Bible's clear on that. It says that no one seeks after God. The Bible says that the natural man cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit, that it is foolishness to them. We all need someone beyond and above ourselves to reach into us, to give us the truth and the revelation of God that we cannot manufacture on our own. We're all spiritually ignorant, unwise. We're also, all of us, incredibly unrighteous. The Bible says that we have all turned aside and gone astray. The Bible says clearly that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses outside of Christ. We have no righteousness in and of ourselves. All of our righteousness, no matter what we can come up with, before God, Titus tells us, is as filthy, disgusting rags. It's all all meaningless and, and powerless apart from Christ. So we need someone to be our priest and to be what we cannot be for ourselves. We need someone to be able to provide the sacrifice necessary to give us righteousness and right standing before God. And in Jesus, we not only have the the, uh, person that made that sacrifice, we have in him the person who was the sacrifice. And we also, all of us, are incredibly weak, unable to save ourselves, unable to keep ourselves secure in that salvation, 
No matter how strong we might be, we are powerless to keep ourselves in that eternal security that we all need and long for. And so we need a divine king that not only saves us as we cannot save ourselves, but keeps us in that salvation. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. Divine prophet, divine priest, divine king. That's what we're going to be talking about in this series. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus, most of all. I thank you that in him we find all that we need. We find the one that could do what no one else did, which is occupy all of these important offices and roles in a perfect manner. Thank you for giving us our perfect prophet to give us all that we need to know about you. Thank you for giving us a perfect priest to represent us before you as our enemy accuses us constantly. We have one who has made an end to all of our sin. Thank you, Father, for giving us in Jesus a perfect king to come to our rescue, to give us life that we cannot find on our own and to keep us secure in that abundant and eternal life. Oh, Father, throughout this series, please help us to see the Lord Jesus the way he is meant to be seen. Possibly let us see him in a new light if we have not considered him in these ways. Open our hearts, I pray, to your word. Let us hear from your spirit. And let us be truly changed by it. We commit ourselves in this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first area of that important threefold ministry of Christ that we're going to look at is the area of prophet, divine prophet. And a prophet had really three major areas of responsibility, three priorities. We tend to think of the prophet and we tend to focus in on one very small area of what they did uh, because it's, it's sensational, it's dramatic, it's kind of Hollywood. And we tend to think of a prophet as one who tells the future, Right? And we we know about that and we tend to focus in on that. But if we do that, we will neglect the major areas of the prophet's ministry. The, The foretelling of things to come, that was just one small part. The prophet's job was actually much more complex than that. Uh, the prophet's job, first of all, the first thing that he did, um, was to reveal God. He revealed God. And he did that primarily by communicating to the people about God's ways, his will, and his word. He revealed God by revealing God's ways, God's will, and God's word. And then closely connected to that, he also called for repentance. The prophet would always call for the people to repent. He would say, here's what God wants you to know about himself. Here's what he's like. Here's who he is. Here's his character. Here's his attributes. Here's his holiness and his righteousness. Here's his justice on display. And because of that, people, you need to turn away from your sins and your selfishness, and you need to turn to God. So there would always be a call for repentance. And then the prophet would always, in everything they did, glorify and honor God. They would just shine a great big light on God's glory, on his majesty, on his honor, in all they said and all they did. That was the prophet's main job, split up into those three primary responsibilities. The prophet was never 
to do a couple of things. As he was doing this job, as he was carrying out this office, there were a couple of things he was never, ever to do. He was never to speak on his own, as in on his own authority. He was never just to, to say something to put himself on display. He didn't have any authority in and of himself from which to speak. He was never to speak on his own. And then he was never to deviate from the message, no matter how hard it might be to hear no matter how uncomfortable it might be to communicate. The prophet was never to deviate from the message because it was not his own. It was God's message to the prophet to give to the people, period. So those were the things that the prophet had to constantly make sure they were doing, that they fulfilled those responsibilities to reveal God, his will, his ways, his word, to call for repentance, to bring glory to God, and to never speak on their own, to never deviate from the message. And like I said a few minutes ago, there were a lot of prophets who were very good. Some were not so good. Some started off good, but ended up being corrupted. Why? Because no matter who they were, they were still human. Every prophet even the best ones. I mean, think of the giants of the prophets. Think of Isaiah, right? And Elijah, Moses even, the first prophet really. All these prophets that brought so much to their office and fulfilled so much of what God had for them to do were still limited by their own humanity. They were still prone to sinfulness. They were still finite. That's why they and us with them, all need a prophet greater than any human prophet. And in Jesus Christ, that's exactly who we have. Jesus Christ is the preeminent prophet. He is the prophet par excellence. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us this beautifully, powerfully. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, verse 1 through 3, says this. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. But now, he in these last days, which by the way, these last days, uh, that means really that's from the time of Christ's coming. You know, we tend to think about, oh, these are the last days, and, and, and that's, this is the end of all things. And it may very well be. I mean, I was just talking to somebody a few days ago about how it really seems like time is incredibly short. You know, that time is shorter possibly than it's ever been. And I tend to agree with that, and I hope it is, because I'm ready for the kingdom, you know. I I want the kingdom to come. I've had enough of myself and my own sinfulness. I've had enough of sinful life and the sinful world. I mean, I'm ready. I hope you are too. So, I mean, I hope that this is really the last, last days. I hope that's the case. Um, But the last days, that really started when Christ came. It's the age of the Messiah. Him coming, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. So we've been in the last days a long time. Okay, I just want to point that out. But in the last days, in these last days, he, the Father, has spoken to us by or through his son. And here's what he tells us about his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. John 1 tells us about that, where John the apostle, 
in his prologue, his great prologue to his gospel, talks about the the ever-existent, the eternal word, the logos of God. That means he's the eternal truth of all that God is. He's the complete and eternal expression or revelation of all that God is. That's who Jesus is. He's the word through which God reveals himself. He's the word through which God spoke all that he willed to be brought into creation. Amazing. And then he goes on. The son, first part of verse 3, the son is the radiance of God's glory. Isn't that beautiful? The radiance. Think of like the radiance of the sun. And, the, and that's a very small picture of what we're talking about here. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. That couldn't be said of any prophet. No prophet, although their job was to communicate about God and to reveal God, no prophet could ever have this said of him. That they were the exact expression of the Father's nature. And this mighty Son, this full and final, powerful revelation of God, this ultimate prophet, look at what else it says. Not only is he the expression of his nature, of God's nature, the radiance of his glory, he sustains all things by his, by his powerful word. There is no one like our Savior, Jesus Christ. No one can do or be what he does and what he is. And because, because Jesus is the preeminent prophet, unlike anyone else to ever occupy that office, because of that, Jesus also perfectly executes the prophet's office. Jesus perfectly executes the prophet's, prophet's office. Remember I said the, main prim, the primary responsibilities of the prophet, the first one is to reveal God, right? To reveal God to the people, his ways, his will, and his word. Jesus perfectly executes that along with every other responsibility for the prophet. But John 1.18 lets us know very clearly how well he does that, how perfectly he, Jesus, has revealed God to everyone that he was around in his earthly ministry and all of us as well. John 1.18 says this, No one has ever seen God. That means both physically, visibly seen him, as well as fully comprehending is what that also means. No one's been able to see God in a physical or visible manner. We know that that can't happen because God made that very clear. Anyone who looks on me will die. Because God cannot look on or entertain even for a minute sin. And we're all, even on our best day, still wrapped up in sin. So no one has ever seen God visibly, literally, but it goes beyond that. It also includes that the fact that no one has been able to completely, perfectly, up to Jesus, no one has been able to have a perfect revelation of God that allows us to really comprehend him fully. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, Jesus, the one who is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Now, this means that 
to the people living there in Jesus' day, the, the ones who were actually there seeing his ministry, walking with him, hearing from him, being there in front of him. This is an incredible statement. It means that all of those people that saw Jesus, that talked to Jesus, the disciples, the original ones that ate with Jesus, slept right beside Jesus, all of those people were looking at, listening to, walking with very God. It's what it means that Jesus was the incarnate one. It's what it means that Jesus was Emmanuel, God tabernacling with us. That's the song that we're going to hear a lot of in a few weeks. And those of you who just can't help yourself, you've been playing it since August. Uh, the Mary Did You Know, you know. Like, like my wife, she'd be playing that already if I were a better husband and, and didn't put up a fight. Um, but, you know, that song really is a powerful song, especially the part where, where in the song the question is asked, Mary, did you know when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God? It's true. I mean, we need to try to wrap our minds around the magnitude of that. That in Jesus, though he was fully human, in that humanity dwelt the full Godhead. And here's what I want you to know. Because obviously we're not seeing Jesus in front of us today. He's not here. He's not able to go to physically. But please don't ever make the mistake of thinking that that means you don't have the exact same revelation before you. Because in this book, in this word, from cover to cover, you see Jesus. In this book, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see an accurate and a beautiful and a powerful picture of all that Jesus is. And and certainly in the Gospels, You have the narratives of the Messiah. So friends, that means know this book. Love this book. Read this book. Be saturated by this word. And in so doing, you will be able to have the same revelation of the incarnate one. You'll be able to see the Son of God. You'll be able to hear of the Son of God. You'll be able to know the Son of God. And by doing that, know God the Father as well. Because there is no one who communicates and reveals and expresses all that the Father is better than the Son. So do you want to know God the Father? Do you want to really know what he's like? Know Jesus. And the way you do that is through his word and by his spirit. So we have the ability. We have the ability to know Jesus really in the same way as all those who were there with him literally. We need to remember that. Jesus completely, perfectly reveals God to all of us as the prophet was supposed to do. And as I said, he's not just to reveal God, his his ways, his will, his words, but he is also to call for repentance, constantly to call for repentance. I've shown you God, I'm revealing God to you. Now your job is to repent to him. That's what every prophet would do. And Jesus did that in the same way and more than anyone else perfectly as no one else could have done. Luke 5.32, Jesus says this, 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, which was Jesus really employing irony there because there is no one righteous. No, not one. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We're all hopelessly bent towards sin. That's all that there is. That's humanity, sin. There isn't a category of righteous humanity and sinful humanity. No, it's just we're all sinners. And what Jesus is calling for is for sinners, all of, of all of humanity, to recognize their sinfulness and to recognize him as the only remedy for that sinfulness. And the difference between, listen to me on this, the difference between saved and unsaved is not that the saved person is superior or somehow more enlightened in, in themselves from the ones who are not saved. The difference is that saved people are just sinners who recognize their sinfulness and turn to Christ for salvation from it. We're saved sinners as opposed to unsaved sinners. Sinners is really all there is when it comes to humanity. And Jesus says, I have come to call sinners to repentance. But here's the difference. All the prophets before him, they always, all their announcements would always say, thus says the Lord. My message is from the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying. I am not God. I'm just relaying his message. God is saying this to you. Jesus didn't have to say that. He didn't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Why? Because he was the Lord God. And so his call to repent wasn't just because God says so. His call to repent was, I am here before you. I am God. I am the great I am. And I am saying to you here and now, repent. Not just because I'm telling you to, but because I'm providing for you the means for your repentance. Church, in Jesus, we don't just have the announcement to repent and the command to repent. We also have the means with which to do it. Jesus Christ is the source of strength and the source of power that we need every single moment to repent as we always are in need of doing. We're constantly in need of repentance. Every moment. Why? Because even though our hearts and our minds have been changed if we come to Christ and receive Him as our Savior and Lord, He's made us new. That's a fact. But this skin... It's still wrapped up in sin. And we still have the ability, unfortunately, we still have the ability to choose to return to sin over and over and over. That's why I said I'm so looking forward to the kingdom coming when that won't be a possibility anymore. What a day when we won't even be able to sin. What a day. And it's coming, but it's not here yet. So that means we're constantly needing to repent, constantly. And in Jesus, we find not only the command to do it, but the way, the ability to do it. Jesus not only revealed God perfectly, not only called for repentance perfectly by being able to provide that that ability to repent and not just calling for it, but he also perfectly brought glory and honor to the Father, the way every prophet was supposed to, but no prophet could do so perfectly except for Jesus. He perfectly brought glory and honor 
to the Father, which was also the prophet's job. John 17, 4, in his great high priestly prayer, right before he goes to the cross, he's praying to the Father and he says this, I have, it's done, it's a done deal, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I've done it, I've been faithful to the mission you sent me to, I've completed what you've told me to do, and I've glorified you by it. I've glorified you through it completely, perfectly. Jesus has done all of that perfectly. He has perfectly executed the job, the role of what a prophet was to do. And remember I said he also, the prophet, was never to do a couple things. He was never to speak on his own, and he was never to deviate from the message. Right? He didn't have any authority on him on his own or by, by himself. And he was never to compromise the message or, or leave something out of it just because it might not go over so well. He was called to be faithful to the message no matter what. Jesus also honored that perfectly and carried that out perfectly. John twelve forty nine. Jesus says this, For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what I should say and what I should speak. I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself has given me a command as to what I should say and what I should speak. And Jesus was faithful to that completely, even when, and most of the time it was this way, it was not popular. I mean, you know, calling someone a brood of vipers, that doesn't exactly endear them to you, right? Think of all the encounters with the Pharisees and the scribes. He didn't pull any punches. He said it like it was. He said the truth. Even when he knew that truth would end up taking him to the cross, which was why he was sent. He was faithful to not speak on his own authority or to deviate from the message. So Jesus is the preeminent prophet. Jesus perfectly executes the office of prophet And here's what what really comes down to us and what is so encouraging. Jesus is also the prophet we all need. And all we need is in him. Jesus is the prophet that we all need. And all we need is in him. John 14, 6, Jesus says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am one example of the truth, and I'm a messenger of the way to come to the Father. I'm, I'm a means to come to life. I'm one of many. Um, you can choose me if you want, but you're fine to go and, and do your own thing. And hey, whatever works for you, that's fine. I'm here if you need me. That's not what he said. He didn't say, go and and pick whatever means of truth you want to find for yourself. Go and try to find another way. There's many ways to God. Go ahead and look for other sources of life. I'm sure you're going to find it. No, he said, I am the exclusive truth. I'm the embodiment of it. I am living truth. And you'll not find it anywhere else. I am the exclusive way to know God and to come into a relationship with Him and to have right standing before Him. I am the exclusive source and avenue of life, abundant life, here and now, and eternal, everlasting beyond this life. I'm it, Jesus said. I'm it. I am the way, the truth, which, which speaks of His prophetic 
ministry, the truth about God, all that he is, all that he wants for us, all of his standards and principles and commands by which we're supposed to live. He is the truth of God. He's the way to God and he's the life in God. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. He's the prophet we all need and all we need is in him. And Jesus didn't stop with his own earthly ministry. The disciples, as they were processing the fact that he was going to be leaving them and they were overwhelmed with sorrow, Jesus told them, don't be full of sorrow. It's actually to your advantage if I go away because I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to provide you an ongoing means of continual truth and continual access to the Father and continual life. Here's what he says in John 14, 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. In the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus, the perfect prophet, would be ongoing and would be continual. And that promise, church, listen, listen, that promise was not just to the original disciples that heard it for the first time. That promise is to you and me as well. In the Holy Spirit, whom you have through Christ, if you've come to him, if you've received him as your Savior and Lord, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you. And as he is indwelling you, so is the living, reigning Christ. And all of Christ's words, all of his truth, all that he did while on earth is ongoing and continual in your life through the Holy Spirit. That's something to get excited about. I mean, that, what, what in the world did we ever, ever do to deserve that? And the answer is nothing. We never could. It's all by grace. But that's what we have. That's what we have at our means, at our disposal. All through Jesus Christ. Because he is the prophet we all need, and all we need is in him. And because he is the perfect prophet, because he is unlike what anyone else could ever be or ever offer, we also have this promise. Matthew twenty four thirty five: Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words, Jesus is saying, my words, my truth, all that I reveal, all that I let you know about, all that I show you, all that you find in me, my words will never pass away. That's a good and encouraging thought. It's a good and encouraging thought. What that means for us, church, is we need to remember to look to Jesus Christ, to listen to Jesus Christ, to focus on Jesus Christ, first and foremost, above and beyond every single other human being. No matter who they might be, no matter what they might be able to contribute to your life. No matter who the pastor is, no matter who the teacher may be, no matter who the author of all those wonderful books might be, 
No one, no one is ever going to be able to offer and to provide and to compare to who and what Jesus is. He is the perfect prophet and he's what we all need and in him we find everything that we could ever need or want. I'm reminded of one of the most incredible examples in the gospel narratives between Jesus and his disciples, the most incredible example of who Jesus really is, and the disciples were able to see it just for a little bit. They had a glimpse on the mountain of transfiguration when Jesus pulled back the curtain, as it were, of his humanity for a little bit, and he let the disciples see just just a glimpse of his glory on display. And with him at the transfiguration, as he was transfigured before them and his glory shone around them. With him, there were two people, prominent people, that stood there beside him. Two prophets. Two prophets, which showed his prophetic ministry. Showed the fact that he was not just a prophet, but the prophet, Moses and Elijah. They were right there with him. And Peter, gotta love Peter, Peter means well, has the right heart. I identify with Peter so much. Because Peter would always have like the right desire and, and he'd mean well, but man, he opened his mouth and 50-50, sometimes it'd be great. and be like, yay, Peter. And in the next breath, it'd be like eating sandal. This is one of those times. As Jesus is transfigured before them in his glory that is his by nature is shown. There's Moses and Elijah, the two greatest prophets in Israel's history, standing there on either side of Jesus, showing him to be the ultimate prophet, the preeminent prophet. Peter looks at this and he says, Lord, It's good for us to be here. And he should have stopped there. But he didn't. He said, let's make three tabernacles. Let's make three booths of worship. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. That's a good idea, right? And then, then, Almighty God, the Father himself, speaks from heaven and clears up Peter's mistaken theology really quickly. He says, no, not a good idea. Not at all. Here's what he says. Mark 9, 7. This, this. I can just, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there was like a, a shaft of light that pointed right to Jesus. I don't know. This, Jesus, not Moses, not Elijah. This is my beloved son. This is my exclusive son. This is my unique one. This is my chosen one. This is the preeminent one. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's God the Father. My friends, that is the same thing we need to hear from the Father today. This Jesus, who I have sent you, came to earth leaving my presence, leaving a perfect relationship with me, leaving the glory of angels. This Jesus, my son, 
the radiance of my glory, the exact expression of my nature through whom I made the universe. He has come for you. He has come to you. And all of his life and ministry, all of his message, all that he said that I needed you to hear, that I wanted you to hear in my sovereignty, that I have preserved in my word for you to hear, listen to him. Hear him. See him. Know him. That means... Though we have an incredible resource at our disposal, unlike any other age in all of history, through technology and through all sorts of different aspects of what we have, we have access to truth unparalleled. We have gifted, gifted people to proclaim the truth of God's Word to us, day in and day out, 24-7 really. We have all kinds of books at our disposal written by many, many great wise people. But no matter who you listen to in terms of a human speaker, no matter who you read in terms of a human author, listen, no matter who that is, they cannot hold a candle to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is who we need to listen to far above and beyond any human speaker or author. This is Jesus. They're in the middle of all of it. Listen to him. Hear him. Look to him is what the Father would say to us as well. He is the only perfect, ultimate prophet that we all need and in whom we find everything we could ever need. And here's our task. Here's what this all means for us as we come to Jesus as we see him, as we focus on him, as we listen to what he would say to us through his word, the word that will never pass away, as as we hear from him the only full, final revelation from God that we have ever, that we could ever need or that we will ever find. The task is what James 1.22 says, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. That's, the, that's our responsibility. As we, as we hear from Jesus and we find the revelation of all that God is in him. And as we are called to repent, not just once, but moment by moment. And as we see the glory and honor of God given through Jesus and on display in him. We have a responsibility to take that word, to know it. We have the responsibility to listen to it and to know it and to love it, but it can't stop there. We have to apply it to every aspect of our lives. We have to be doers of that word and not just hearers only. And then, as we're doing that, we have to challenge others to do the same. We have to call others to do the same. That's Jesus, our perfect prophet. And as we go forward in the series, we're going to see just how amazing, how magnificent he is with all the other aspects of his ministry. This great threefold office that he alone has. It's everything we could want and everything we could need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you that in him and in him alone we have the final and the full revelation of all that you are. 
Father, we don't need a human prophet. We don't need a Joseph Smith that has some revelation or a Mohammed or a Benny Hinn or whoever else may come up. Father, we don't have need of them because in your son we have the ultimate and the perfect prophet. Help us, therefore, Father, to come to him bare and to come to his word bare without any preconceived notion and bias and to hear from him through his revelation everything we need to hear, everything we need to be, and all that we need to know of you and see of you. And, oh, Father, help us to take that and to be not just hearers of that precious word, but to be doers of it also in our life and in the lives of others. I pray all of this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen.